0: Welcome to the show. It's Friday, so that means I'm out, and it's also hashtag FOF, or F-O-F. Friends on Fridays. This Friday, we will broadcast John Zipper's week-to-week show. The program today is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. And now here's week-to-week with John Zipper.
1: I'm John Zipperer, the host of the Commonwealth Club's Week to Week Politics program. You can find out more about Week to Week and all of the Commonwealth Club's many programs, including videos and audio, at CommonwealthClub.org. Now let's join this week's program. Welcome to Week to Week, the political roundtable from the Commonwealth Club of California for Monday, April 18th, 2016. This was the week in which Planned Parenthood President Cecile Richards dismissed claims by Senator Ted Cruz that he was a defender of women. She recycled a previous quote and said, a woman voting for Ted Cruz is like a chicken voting for Colonel Sanders. (laughs) Thanks for joining us here today in San Francisco. I'm John Zipper, your week to week host and the Commonwealth Club's vice president of media and editorial. On today's program, naturally, we're going to be talking about uh, Colonel Sanders and Ted Cruz and all the others <laughs> in this presidential primary race, plus some state and local elections, police and prison reform, some anti LGBT laws that are spreading across the south and other political news. So um, I always like to point out that the Commonwealth Club includes folks of a wide variety of views or a nonpartisan organization, which doesn't mean no one has views here. It means everyone has views here. They're all welcome. So any views that are expressed up here, though, are those solely of the speakers and not of the Commonwealth Club. Let's meet our panelists for today. I'm going to start on the far end of the stage with uh, Dr. James Taylor. He's the director of African-American studies, and he's a professor of political science at the University of San Francisco. He's not on Twitter yet, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we, we convinced uh, Larry, Dr. Larry Gersten to yes, join Twitter. So, you know, we'll, we'll shame you into it soon. Next to him is Carla Marinucci. She's the political genius behind the Politico California Playbook. And she is on Twitter at C Marinucci. And next to me is C.W. Nevius, Chuck Nevius. He's a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle. He is also on Twitter at CW Nevius. Now on to our round table. We're going to start in the most obvious place in the world, and that is the primary campaign. Um, this long national campaign isn't over yet um it's going to be uh heading here to california soon which appropriately is the land of hollywood and virtual reality but before we get to california of course we've got a new york primary that takes place this week and i want to throw this to carla to get us started what do you expect to happen tomorrow in both parties
2: well i mean this is going to be so fascinating because new york is is a big one i mean for hillary clinton let's start with the Democrats first For Hillary Clinton, I think uh, New York is a chance to reset. She's had this uh, a a couple of weeks where she's gotten bad headlines and Sanders has just come up on her uh, doing these fabulous, huge rallies, um, making just just uh, making so much hay about uh, the fundraising here in San Francisco. You may have been stopped by the motorcade on Friday when she came through. The protesters were out front George Clooney came out uh and and engaged with the protesters uh at which point they called them a sh- corporate shill and then they said <laughs> even worse they said and you sucked as batman yeah. <laughs> 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 and he said you they got me there uh, so I, I mean i think you know she's she's been faced with these headlines that uh, the money she's raising is obscene meanwhile sanders is doing these 27 dollars average uh, you know, and raising more than she is. Sure. So, OK, New York is a place where she's been reelected twice as senator. She knows this turf. She's doing a lot of very small events, grassroots events while he's doing the big rallies. And, uh, you know, the polls are showing she's 10 points up on him. Uh, so she's going to come out. There's 45, I think somewhere around 40 superdelegates at stake there. She's expected to get most of those. She's already, I think, around 700 ahead of him, if you count the superdelegates. So. By most accounts, I mean, this is a very narrow, if not disappearing path of Bernie Sanders, but he has, I think he's gonna go all the way to the end. I think he's done an amazing job in, in terms of turning out people, but boy, that debate in Brooklyn! Oh my gosh, to to watch that, it was like a WWF. You're how, watching how all these many people arguing. The yeah, yeah. Did you watch this? Few. I I some some of it was cringing. I was cringing watching these 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 two go at it with each other. But a lot of Democrats said, "Hey, this is a, this is a a healthy contest. They're going to get over it. We'll see." It seemed a little bit. On the other side, we just have to talk about Trump. Sure. Uh, when you're talking about, uh, you know, double digits ahead of Ted Cruz, this is his place. He's doing so many events. It's just unbelievable and crazy. Uh, and I think that's it. This is another case. 95 delegates at stake there. He could come away with most all of them, if not all of them, because the polls show him getting over 50 percent. And under the rules of the New York primary, these are close primaries on both sides. Um, if you get over 50% in any in, in any congressional district, you win the whole thing, uh, and then you win more if you get 50% On the Republican side. Yeah. So uh, for both Trump and Hillary, this looks like a win, and it looks like for Donald Trump, a place where he actually, if he comes, uh, he comes out a winner in New York, and then he's next week is another Super Tuesday primary. You're looking at Pennsylvania, other Rust Belt states. Uh, He actually now could have a very narrow path when you count California to that 1237 that he makes. so
1: wait, even be, to having the votes before the delegates before the convention.
2: Yeah, he may be able to do may be able to swing this. And and he's hired people in California. He's getting it together when it finally. Comes, yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. When it comes to uh, the strategy part, which he hasn't been good at. I mean, newsflash, Donald Trump, the system is rigged. I mean, <laughs> that's his message. But and that's been going to be his message going into Pennsylvania, New Jersey. They're rigging the system. The, the establishment doesn't want me to win. And that is stuff that fires up his people. So once the, again, at, master of marketing. No, at the same time, he has to Chase. win over
3: those those superdelegates for the second round in, in, in this process. So he has to be very careful not to alienate them in talking about how rigged the system is. And
1: because yeah, they, they delicate, can go away in the yeah, second a round. Delicate yeah. balance the OK, I have to I have to say this, and I have to pat myself on the back for this. Uh, it might have been our last program, or the one before that. We were talking about how the delegate system works with the Republicans. I, I think this could be with both parties. I don't know. But I asked one of our panelists, there's no rule against a candidate just buying the delegates, right? That's right. Million dollars vote for me. I think a lot of people would suddenly find themselves amenable <laughs> to voting for him. No. It, it, yeah. Today, Donald Trump. Check right. this story out. Donald Trump is saying Oh, you know what? I've got lots of toys that I could share with these delegates. It's true. I mean, you
2: know, I, I, I just talked to recently to Sal Russo, who, who founded Tea Party Express, uh, who told me that Paul Manafort, who who Trump has hired to to sort of engage this whole system to get things going. He's a big lobbyist. He knows this this whole game backwards and forwards. Uh, it's going to be out there offering these people, you know, uh, memberships to, to Trump <laughs> golf courses, trips on Trump One, you know, front row seats to whatever. It's totally legal to do that, and Trump has the a bank account to yeah. do it. I would
4: just say, look at, you know, look at it logically. Trump and Hillary Clinton should win New York. Those are their places, and yet they consistently do something. It is so Trump and so Hillary that it puts them back and Hillary's, you know, she comes off this debate where she's slammed for taking big money, flies to San Francisco and has this unbelievable gala. Okay, that is so Hillary. And Trump has got all this momentum, and yet he keeps putting his foot in it. With the abortion thing, we've got to think about how it's rigged. As everybody in politics is saying, yeah, we know it's how it works. It's a a very difficult system. And by the way, maybe you should have put some people on the ground
1: ahead of time. And now
4: he's doing that. So it plays
1: out logically at least right now now uh, can is there something to be said for hillary on this you know this giant george clooney fundraiser and a lot of the others where most of that money from that george clooney fundraiser isn't going to her campaign it's going to the dnc and to you know the down ballot uh democrats the people she's going to need in congress if she gets uh, elected
2: you know i gotta i'll just say this which is i don't know if you saw the interview with uh george clooney on meet the Press. But I mean, does that guy look like a candidate to you? I mean, he's just amazing. He's just an amazing interview. He's so into politics, and he pointed that out, saying, "This money, yes, is obscene, but I'm am doing this because I got to raise money for a Senate and a House. If if Democrats are going to win." That's what I have to do, like it or not, and and it is a, a criticism that has been put at mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders. Like, where, who, who are, you, where Hillary, are you? Where are you raising money for the yeah. Democratic causes? Yeah. He hasn't. Yes. Uh, yeah, and this so. is part of
3: Bernie's problem: is he's not playing the insider game. Yeah. I mean, in other words, these delegates have no loyalty to Bernie. They are hostile to him because he's never done anything for any of them, yeah. except for the handful that he's uh, he's named. So this is a a real problem is by definition of being an outsider, uh, independent from Vermont, who caucuses with the Democrats, he, by definition, doesn't play their game. Hillary is deeply embedded in the game and there are many relationships and loyalties. So there's just it's going to be really difficult for Bernie Sanders to pull these people away on a personal level of um, of a sense of uh, loyalty, I Mm -hmm. think, to Hillary Clinton uh, in the long run, even though Bernie's logic is, you know, we can change the game by changing you know, what happens going forward. And he's counting on California. I mean, he is making California the primary in June more important than anybody. He thinks is, this is where he can mm-hmm. surprise the world. What do you think his chances are here? Not good, but really? but yeah, but I didn't think they were good. in Michigan either. Yeah. And I did not think they were good in Massachusetts either. I don't think they were good <laughs> everywhere he's lost. Uh, I didn't think they were good. But it's also true that Bernie Sanders is winning on day of uh, voting. Democrats, so people that show up on the day of Hillary Clinton is actually winning older voters who are sending in by mail-in ballots. So right now, New York has already started, I think, at the end of March, started mm-hmm. in the mail-in balloting. So Hillary's already probably won New York That's based good. on those voters alone. And then you have to understand that Bernie's main constituents are not allowed to be a part of this primary in New York or in California with closed primaries. Bernie can't win New York and California.
4: There's no independent.
3: He can't win. As much as he has made amazing enrols, and I agree, I'm so impressed with Bernie Sanders' campaign, the structure and the substance. But he just is running out of the capacity to win. We should. Bernie has won. He basically, I mean, the idea that
4: he was a long shot. He's been a long shot from start to finish, and we thought that all along that the Democratic field did not have as many cans as it should have. And the fact that we're still talking about, you never know. You might pull it. That's really amazing. And the way he's moved the needle with her is really amazing. And he doesn't want to be an insider. He isn't playing the inside game. He's playing the outside game. But I think he knows that. And even though he's losing, he's winning. No, what what
2: we should point out, too, in California, if you are a, de- a declined to state voter, you have to request ahead of time the, the Democratic ballot or the Republican oh, okay. ballot. If uh, you, actually you cannot vote on the Republican side, you have to re-register as a Republican. Right, yeah. But if you want to vote on the Democratic side, you're going to have to request that ballot ahead of time. And May 23rd is the deadline on okay. that. So just okay. don't let that go by. Because in New York, as you said, uh, a lot of these younger voters, either yeah. they've never voted before, yeah. they're, they, they're expect, showing up, expecting to register. Yeah. Trump's own kids didn't know they yeah. had to register to vote. I, I mean, I that's mean, part of
3: Bernie's problem is he's got all of these, these sort of what we call hangers-ons, you know, people that will show up because of a yeah. crowd. But he's got 27,000 last week, 28,000 today. How many of those people are actually going to show up tomorrow? And that's that's the challenge that Bernie has is to get the 28,000 enthusiastic people to show up, not just show up to hear the speech, but show up where it counts arguing and debating and caucusing or actual actual voting in the primary. And none of this would have happened if Hillary had been a more compelling candidate, which is what she's fighting, what she's fighting to do.
4: Had been a what candidate? A more compelling okay. candidate, I was trying to say. And that moment in the debate when Bernie Sanders challenged her again on the transcripts and she backed off and backed off and refused to hand the transcripts of the speeches she gave to Goldman sacks and david brooks said the other day you know she has this this uh personal tick where she hangs on to something until it damages her the most and then she hands it over and that's what she's going to do with these transcripts i'm sure (laughs) but that's that's the thing that hasn't happened it hasn't changed as long as we've been sitting here telling these stories is hillary remains not a compelling uh not an emotional not a visceral candidate and bernie sanders is he's all that stuff
1: um let's i mean this it wasn't just in the debate that things kind of got testy Um, There's been, you know, the surrogates, uh, you know, what was it, a month or two ago we had on the Hillary Clinton side uh, uh, Madeleine Albright and Gloria Steinem said things that, you know, basically you're if you're a woman, you're not voting for Hillary, there's something special place in hell. Yeah, special place in hell. Um, But actually, Madeleine says that about everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't. But anyway, I mean, more recently now, we've had some of Bernie Sanders uh, surrogates. Uh, There was the, the phrase uh, corporate democratic whores.
2: Yes, that was. Uh, yes. Tell and us that, about that. What, uh, Dr. Paul Song, who was the uh, executive director of the Courage campaign, yeah. major, I mean, advocacy group here and well known in California, uh, made a reference to corporate democratic whores at, at one of the big vernie, And, you know, a lot of women would hold you know, hold on a minute. Who are you talking about? He said he was talking about Congress mm-hmm. in general. Uh, but the fact is, he resigned today from uh, the Courage campaign. Oh, he did. Uh, yeah, mm. he did. Mm. And and he's a very big Democratic fundraiser too. A lot of Democrats who use him. Mike Conda is one of them. And in, in Silicon Valley, he just recently did a big fundraiser. Uh, he's being called upon to return those donations. Mm. So this is where it's not just the candidate now who has to worry and and be freaked out about the YouTube moment. It's mm. the yeah. all the yeah. surrogates yeah. involved. Yeah. You know.
3: Yeah. it's important, I think, to know also that I think today it came out. That there's a national poll, which again, political yeah. scientists don't pay these any attention, but a national poll that says that Bernie Sanders has become within the statistical margin of error, almost tied with Hillary Clinton. But again, it doesn't—it really means
1: nothing. Especially since most of those states have already voted. Yeah, so. yeah. right, right.
2: right. Yeah. And isn't
4: this the year that we we started to feel like our polls are not that not that effective? Yeah, yeah. it doesn't no. seem like these polls have well reflected yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. And I wonder if a lot of it isn't—let's just throw a crazy idea. But maybe it's cell phones because you can't. You're ending up calling a lot of people on yeah. landlines, or yeah. maybe older voters. Yeah. And so-
0: we'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right You'll after listen this. You're listening to the
2: Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family.
0: Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say, I do. Especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW.
4: Maybe you're not getting a good picture, but I really have begun to doubt the
3: polls. We saw that in 08 and 12 where Nate Silver came out, you know, right. on top because everybody else was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and what we do is we go right back to the normal and then we'll trust the same people that screwed up royally because we don't know whether <laughs> Ross Messon is better than the yeah. CBS right. poll right. or, you know, you know, whatever the different, you know, entities are. So the rank and file pedestrian American doesn't know the difference between the best and the worst polling. So they're all over the
1: place. And speaking of worst and polls, What did you think about the polling that showed this was uh, national polls about what people thought about Donald Trump uh, as well as the other Republicans? But I mean, the numbers on Donald Trump were like north of 70% of people despised him.
2: Yeah, Yeah,
1: and I'm not even saying that to make fun of him. I mean, those are staggering numbers.
2: No, it's fascinating. And I think it it sort of reflects what, what his strategy has been in the past two weeks. He's been on his best behavior. He has not done a lot of crazy news conferences. You know, uh, he was supposed to come here to California and do a big news conference. He, he canceled that. He's been now getting the strategists together and he's coming here next week for a news junkie like myself. <laughs> uh-huh. I can't wait yeah, to see yeah, this yeah, speech yeah. at the Berlin game Hyatt. You know, he, he's cut any. He, and once again, he he showed what a marketing genius he is, I think, because Kasich, uh, it's, it's a Republican convention uh, three days next week. Uh, you've got Kasich speaking on Friday night. You've got Cruz speaking on Saturday. Uh, Donald Trump came in and t- is doing the first speech. He cuts in front of all of them and says, I'm going to do Friday lunch, which. What does that mean? All the media, we right, are going right, to be right, right. all Done over Friday him, <laughs> like a cheap suit. And, right, uh, right. you know, writing about how, what it means. He's going to get the lion's share of the attention yeah. uh, in California. Yeah. And, um, you know, these polls about uh, his is high negatives. It, it's so interesting because it doesn't stop people from coming out he, they they turn out for him, and this is where Democrats see, I think after I just
3: think these people who are showing up in these crowds for both Bernie and Trump are just not going to show up when it matters. I just think that it's they possible. they're exercising whatever it is they want to express now yeah. and instead of when they need to uh, which is when these count and, um, I, I, and I think that's a problem is young people don't vote you can look at at, from the moment when young people were given the right to vote in the 1970s, been, there has been basically the original jump around the Nixon election or the Ford election, should I say more accurately? And then it's flatlined for the last 40 years. I don't know. I took. You there's G, not been I this. Did, I took There was not this.
4: <laughs> say that again. I missed it. I missed it. I said, I took Eugene McCarthy all the way <laughs> <When> I got <laughs> right. But, you
3: know, with Obama, the, perce- the perception was Obama or Rand Paul. There's this amazing youth right. effect. Obama's effect was flatlined like everyone else's of the past 40 years. So young people get all excited. They get behind Rand Paul. They get behind his dad. They get behind Obama. They'll get behind Ross Perot. They get behind John Anderson in 1976. Yeah. They'll get behind anything that's new yeah. because of what's so unattractive about what we have. And then they realize, after they pull off the lid on Obama, it's the same. They pull off the <laughs> lid on Ron Paul, is very different, but you know, too different. <laughs> I was going to keep on going, but I would run out of gas. Though.
1: Stop there. <laughs> well, last week I was speaking with one of the advisors for uh, Bernie Sanders, and she was talking about how, uh, exactly about you know bringing in all these new voters and you know keeping them engaged, and how that's you know the, there will not be the two year later collapse like we had where, you know, the Tea Party came in and and took Congress and such. And I said, well, that kind of sounds exactly like what we heard from the Obama folks in 2008. And of course, it didn't happen. Um,
4: But it's a little like San Francisco politics. If you go to City Hall on some of these issues and somebody musters 300 people for public comment, you think, holy (laughs) cow, this is a movement here. The thing this thing is going to happen. I mean, and then we we have a vote and it gets gobsmacked. So I mean, you think what the heck's the deal and i do think trump is starting to wear on people i i don't know if you saw dick cabot called him uh, Trumpo, the incredibly unfunny marx brother so <laughs> I, think, I think we're starting to see a little a little backsliding on that
2: and we're, and we're starting to see other reporting on him uh that, that has more personal tone the boston globe over the weekend did a did a, a real look at sort of Bachelor Trump back in the 80s, and uh, I was like, yeah. "This is not a pretty story." The picture is, is him, uh, you know, Mr. High Flying, surrounded uh-huh, by uh-huh, like uh-huh. all the beauties of the pageant with like cleavage all over yeah. the place, yeah. and it's like not not a presidential looking. Right, right. And, and that is just to me the beginning yeah. of those yeah. kind of stories yeah. you're yeah. going to see.
3: And I think there's a cumulative effect that you can just sort of feel the impact. Um, Trump is not hot right now, and I think that happened in September. We forget from September till November until I think it was San Bernardino or Paris, whichever happened first. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump had flatlined for two months straight and Ben Carson, oh, overtook him for September, October, most of November. And then he crashed predictably in December. And I've been saying the whole time he's going to crash by December. And my only reference is what happened to the other black guy who ran the previous time, <laughs> <laughs> Herman Kane, he crashed in December. That was the basis of my intel. But the brother didn't make it before this one didn't make it. So I just that was easy to predict.
4: That's
3: good. Uh, That's good. That's but, good. you know, so so here we are, you know, you know on, the,
4: on the converse, I don't know if you saw it, but there was actually an interesting story in Politico about uh, Hillary Clinton. And this was by a reporter who had covered Hillary Clinton when she ran for president in 2008 but then ended up covering her when she was Secretary of State and traveled with her and so forth and he said there were two different people the their candidate is is stiff is difficult is defensive it's very hard to, to break through but the Secretary of State the person in charge the person who's actually administrate was not only effective but she was popular with her staff right. she was well liked and it makes you wonder yeah. 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 Is the political process yeah. really a good way to find yeah. a good person to, yeah. to handle these jobs? The point
2: of the story was once she had the job, she was really great. and She's good. at it. Yeah. But getting the job, she really was not very good at it. And and that is one thing uh, Clooney said, too, in this interview. Uh, asked why he was with her instead of Sanders. He said, hey, Darfur and the Sudan are very big issues with him. He, he does nonprofit stuff, a lot of activism. And he said he worked with her at length as secretary of state. He knew she knew that issue backwards and forwards. And that is sort of one of the issues. I think she hasn't been really good at articulating what she did as secretary. You you hear people say all the time, well, she was a do nothing secretary. No, I mean, she she traveled quite a bit around the world. She yeah. she really did yeah. uh, meet with a lot of world leaders on key issues like those. And um, which is yeah, why you as, wondered
4: Bernie Sanders calls her unqualified. As she said, you can call me a lot of things, but unqualified is not going to be one of them. She's held almost every job. I mean, for heaven's sake. Yeah. So that would, I think it yeah. makes sense.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, question from the audience. With Sanders pushing Hillary to the left and Cruz seemingly pushing Trump to the right, uh, which of the four, if elected, would be the most uh, apt to move to the center?
2: <laughs> Hillary. I think Hillary.
3: I'd say Hillary. Right. Hillary.
2: Yeah. I think Hillary.
3: But that's, that's what she says her commitments are yeah. uh, the, the, you know, the, centr- the centrism of the DLC. That's right. Oh. So I, I yeah, and, and
2: that was the theme of the, of the debate. She said, basically, uh, it's easy to, to talk about the problem. It's, it's far different to attack it or uh, to actually address it. Sure. Uh, she's, you know, I'm not, and her, I think her other line is, I'm not going to make promises I can't keep. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. That's all goes mm-hmm. to the issue of who can actually deliver once they get yeah. into
1: office. Yeah. We, go ahead.
4: Well, I was just going to say another thing from that article was that, you know, the Flint, Michigan water crisis, when that came up, Bernie Sanders reacted as a as a populist politician would he he called for the resignation of the governor of Michigan and, and Hillary sent two of her aides to Flint Michigan to see what could be done and they said what you could do is help free up these funds that are that we can't seem to get to get this thing done and as the mayor of Flint said I don't I can't say she did it but that is what eventually happened so it's it's the difference between you know playing to a crowd and actually being an administrator who does those kinds of things I still don't find her Compelling, I still find her appealing. But I think there is something to be said that she could be a very good administrator.
1: Um, Heading into the back to the California primary, I guess. How many delegates do you think Trump, Cruz, Kasich? So on the Republican side, how many do you think uh, they would get in the California primary on June 7th? So I mean, not not specific numbers if you don't have, but I mean, who who rank So so you get
2: 172 at stake here in California. Uh, The polls are showing that John Kasich has a a very good shot at getting some of the Bay Area. There, I know the Kasich team is looking at uh, trying to get maybe all nine Bay Area counties, and I think it may be possible. A lot has been written about the fact that uh you know barbara lee's district has like five republicans in it and um you know you can get those three delegates as easy as it is that's in right. orange county that's right that's
3: right, uh, uh, that's, that's, you right. that's right they count the same
2: they count the same so uh there's there's a lot of strategy going on uh we're, we're looking at where where these candidates are stronger trump looks stronger mm-hmm. in the central valley uh Cruz is look it was just recently in Orange County really campaigning there. That looks strong for him. Yeah. So I I think uh, Cruz on the strategy side. And this is where his people have been really really smart. Uh, they've been working it. His the his his chair his national spokesperson is the former head of the Republican Party here in California. Knows every one of those delegates who's going to be there next week at that convention. He's going to get a big blowout reception. And you know that Ted Cruz will be out there meeting all these people, yeah. and and that's what it's about. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Are they going to hold? Yeah. Are they going to hold for Donald Trump going into the second ballot of that convention? And most of the feeling is, you know, he's going to lose most yeah. of them. That's he's right. got to win on the first ballot or or it's over. You can get the ball up to the one yard line in football. If you don't get it over the line and get that 1247, it's It's wide open. Yeah, it's wide open. And and apparently Kasich
3: Kasich and um, Cruz are banking on this negative uh, strategy of just denying Trump the actual right. numbers. And so they're not trying to gain anything except to keep
1: it to, from to get to a second ballot. So
3: they're actually in a campaign against Trump in sure. mathematically. And it's going to take whoever has this, you know, the, the 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 policy wonk types, the math, you know, the math heads around who can help figure out mathematically what it will take to deprive Donald Trump. Uh, I was listening to CNN on the way over and they were making uh, describing a scenario where w- without Rubio. Cruz becomes more important mm-hmm. Kasich becomes a very important outside in the West Coast. Kasich needs to win in places where Cruz just cannot win to, because Cruz is trying to stop Trump. He can't in certain places with his Texas evangelical conservatism. Right. And so he needs Kasich to win in those places where he can't appeal for the same purpose. So he temporarily needs Kasich right now to help him win where he can't win or help Trump not win yeah. where he can't win. Uh, if that makes sense. So, again, they're conspiring against Trump, trying to prevent him from gaining points by taking points back.
4: You know, what's
2: interesting about Kasich is the national polls are showing him the only one who could be be Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. And yet he's struggling in his own party. But That is my
4: question. And that would be my question to the two of you is, OK, I get the fact that we're trying to keep it from a first first ballot nomination. But what does happen with the second? I mean, I never thought we'd say the words of the uh, reasonable alternative Ted Cruz. I mean, is that (laughs) that really what we're going to say? I mean, is he the. Is is yeah. he the the prohibitive favorite on a second ballot, and is is it really
3: going to be chaos? Yeah, I'm not good at analogies, but I'm sure there's a good one that talks about the choice between poison and a gun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something something like that. that there are plenty like, of out there. You all know him, better than I yeah. Whatever yeah. two whatever two bad choices, you can equally bad choices you can come <laughs> up with yeah. is what the Republicans are facing, uh, unfortunately for them, uh, you know, going forward in this in this campaign. But they have right there waiting for them somebody who I think can win moderate who can win independent, who can win liberal votes. And that's John Casey. And, and
2: that's what Casey's strategy is. And he's got you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. He's got yeah. Steve Poizner, former insurance commissioner. He's got some, some big Republican names. And I think you're going to see, uh, there's a lot of- We'll be back
0: with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this.
5: Hi, I'm Chuck Spence, I'm the owner of the Maui Sunseeker LGBT Resort, and I'm also Vice President of Maui Pride. It's not just the only LGBT resort in Maui, it's the only LGBT resort in all of Hawaii, which is really kind of amazing. Maui Sunseeker actually started years and years before I even got involved. I came along as one of the owners a little bit later in in life. I came to Maui back in 1978 and absolutely loved the island. I fell in love and I thought, this is where I want to live, this is where I want to be. And so from 1978 until 2008, I finally came alive with the dream and bought the Maui Sunseeker because I realized that this would be the next step in my life and um, thought that this would be an ideal situation because I could do something that, that was my own business rather than making money for other people. It's important to have a place where you know you can feel comfortable about yourself, you can feel loved and you can feel welcomed by everybody. And I think that that's the ambiance that we try to create and and that's the message that, that we try to deliver in all of our ads and trying to bring people to Maui is that you know we're not just an experience on Maui, we're an experience of Maui. When you think back years ago, how closeted we used to be and, and you think about how, suppressed we were back then to how open and accepting we are now, and, and it's, it's a good progression for society. It's good that people are, are not just you know, tolerating, but appreciating diversity. And that's the message, is that we really need to make sure that, that people appreciate diversity. I think that whoever you are, follow your passion, follow what you believe in, follow whether it leads you down the path of art or whether it leads you down a path of business or you know, some other aspect of internet creativity. Um, follow that and, and just be passionate about what you do. Spotlight on Success and Achievement is brought to you by
4: Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far
2: well-known Republicans in yep. the States been written about who are saying there is no way I'm going yep. to vote for Donald Trump. Yep. I mean, when you talk about people like George Schultz, we haven't heard from him yet or some of these some of these statesman really, elders? yes, elder statesmen of the party. Uh, they're going to be asked this. And who are they going to cast the vote That's a good for? question.
1: I mean, George Schultz was attacked in one of the debates, wasn't it? In the Republican debate. And, I, and I, it was one of those kind of jaw-dropping moments. It's like, if the Republican candidates are attacking, <laughs> you know, one of their major elder statesmen. Um,
2: yeah. And we talked about it last time, how Schultz was front and center the day, yeah. you know, Hillary right. gave her big foreign policy and speech who,
3: at Stanford. Yeah, no, that's what they're going to need more than anybody to help repair the Republican Party is the is the elder statesperson? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, Nancy Reagan is gone. But they need those kinds of high profile people to say, "Okay, we've been through this. We've done this before. Let's come back together. Let's land this thing well, and let's compete and unite."
1: And that- so, uh, does it make more sense maybe for those older states people to actually be staying out of it rather than getting muddied up right now? Because all the momentum yeah. is with the, yeah. the extremes. Yeah, I, I, and so that they can play a role. Being
3: elders, I think their their job is to sort of yeah. sit back and wait and see how yeah, this plays out what's and what's then exercise happen. wisdom that the rest of us say, OK, now somebody reasonable is speaking about this yeah. process.
1: That's when they yeah. can be the parent and say, I be- told you. Because
3: the Democrats that. already have it built in in Barack Obama as president. Yeah. They have it built in. Right the Republicans don't have an an equivalent to Barack Obama right now. George Bush is not it in terms of the electorate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So they mm -hmm. you know, they don't really have uh, George Bush, the father might be. I'm just trying to think of different people and
2: and a lot of their sort of elder statesmen are saying they're not going to go to even to the convention. I mean, this is going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, I (laughs) and and yet
3: there's something in me as a political scientist that thinks that this is such a wonderful thing in general. That this system needs a a good shaking up that Bernie and uh, Trump represent. But, of course, the the fear is we don't know where it lands and how it lands, so the unknown leads you a little bit afraid of it. But we do need this kind of disruption of the system because it has gotten so vulgarly corrupt in terms of, you know, the money aspect, the the, the, the Citizens United aspect that Bernie and others are campaigning against. Um, You know, it's 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 sort of the reasonable, you know, person uh, in the American electorate um, it has to be alienated from the money in this process right now because it's sort of going in places we don't really feel like we can still control as democratic citizens. When and you like that,
4: see, when you like that, we call that rooting for the story, James. Yeah. That's we like to have a good story. <laughs> that's what we want to yeah. do. Yeah. But yeah. when we move from this moment of the circus of the delegates of the system to the actual voters in, in, in the United States. Now I go back to my, my idea about the about the polling. Is Kasich really a better alternative for the Republicans right than Hillary Clinton than than anybody else to defeat Hillary Clinton. And I don't think we know that. And we've had this confusing, long mud wrestling match, <laughs> you know, and, and talking about the elder statesman, you know what they say about the mud wrestling matches. You know, we're getting a mud, mud wrestling match with a pig because you both get money and the pig likes it. So those, those two candidates are perfectly happy to do that. You want to get involved in that or not. But is there any chance that Ryan would come back out of the. No, no, the
2: he, he's already said N- no way. Well, but but the he's fact said is it before, yeah, you know. yeah, that's true. But I, I <laughs> think right. he, I think he means it. I think the, the the Kasich strategy is a is a Hail Mary pass. Just and, and it could happen, I think. I mean, and,
1: and you th- because the delegates will get to the convention and say, let's go with the guy who won one state.
2: <laughs> right. yes. At guys, least
1: we know we'll up, get right. Ohio. And see, and, and see, that's
3: another problem. Again, I explained this last time. There's a rule of eight where each candidate, in order to be considered in the open brokered uh, convention, you have to win eight states. Right. And but Kasich, could could change. Ka- they could Kasich change has them. not won one. Now, if they throw those rules out on the floor, that's they, different. Yeah. But right now, Kasich is not qualified. Only two people qualified to be in the bag are, are Trump and Cruz because they both have won eight states. So before we talk about 1272, we have to talk about eight. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and Trump and and, uh, Kasich has only won one. So he technically, unless they somehow violate or change the rules, is not even eligible right now. Right now, he's not.
2: But but that
1: that nicely uh, ties in with Ted Cruz basically saying, yes, I need Kasich to be in there because he's there's no way he can be a threat mm-hmm. to me, but he can still be a blocker for yes, uh, yes, just no, stick with there's the football all the strategy. Metaphors.
2: That's the interesting thing. It's, it's really not about the voters anymore. No, it's all about no, the math. That's right, that's right. It's all about the math. It's all about the strategy.
1: Okay. Well, you, we, we went into this a bit. Someone asked, is this election the best argument for public finance of campaigns? Money is buying the process. Policy is not.
4: Every, ex- every election is the best argument for public finance.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you see, there was a story this week about how 50 Americans uh, are, are really responsible for, I think, 90 yeah. 90% percent of the yep. of the super PAC money. The number one being right here from San Francisco, Tom Steyer. Um, I, I mean, this is it is so weighted now uh, for these uh, ultra rich voices yeah. that yeah. Um, that it's, something has to be done, whether anything I, I, we hear this every time we go to yeah. events and every four years and nothing is ever yeah. done. And I just I don't see anything no, ever happening no, on that. Do you? No, no, no.
3: I mean, because it's it's a it's a money system, and the court has determined not just in Citizens United. You can go back; it's a hundred years. People said it was a hundred. Citizens United overthrew a hundred years of body of law. It's not true. Citizens United confirmed a hundred years of the notion that persons or or uh, uh, entities like. Uh, you know, government agencies or corporations, excuse me, what I'm struggling with, corporations are actually persons. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes back to the 14th Amendment that was aimed around giving personhood to the Africans who had not been considered such. And what came out of that immediately is a group of cases called the Slaughterhouse Cases in Louisiana that gave prefer, you know the equal protection under the 14th Amendment to capital, to property, not to people. So this is not, Citizens United is not an unprecedented, is my point. Citizens United is consistent with 100 years of American law that sees property and money as a, an articulation of a political preference and will it's it's opinion you want you have a political voice and, it, and if you were blessed with more money that, that you know more power to you
1: um, Literally. also on this ballot of course and, and someone in the audience actually asks about this so they ask what propositions on the ballot and and uh, how that might impact the turnout for the primary. There aren't any hot button. I mean, this is not one of the. Only one. Uh, the one yeah, statewide Only
2: one, one statewide. Is right? that Prop 50? Prop 50. Uh, which the, is the uh, corruption. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Leland Yee. Yeah. I mean uh, yeah. that's sort of where, yeah. where this one came from. Um, you, had, you had three uh, uh, all Democrats uh, senators. Uh, uh, boy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Leland Yee being the, the, <laughs> the, the, the marquee name. Uh, but, you know, uh, even after they had been indicted, you're still collecting salaries, still collecting benefits. And, right. uh, you know, right. the uh, political establishment but, up in Sacramento was well. We can't do anything. That's just the law. But, but so I, saw, is... I
3: saw something on uh, marijuana legalization again and uh, law enforcement uh, brutality issues. I, thought, I saw two. I are, they, the, are they trying are, no, to get are all
2: those are uh, those are for November. Were, those yeah. are for November. OK, 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 they'll, they'll okay, for okay. November. That, So that in June, sense. there's only one that makes sense. Yeah. And I think this is an important one. I mean, having having seen the three senators uh, come up and yeah. continue for months to get their salary. Uh, and benefits, yeah. uh, this on. is this is sort of a, a no brainer, I think, <laughs> <laughs> if I may. <laughs> yeah.
1: OK, well, um, you, you mentioned somewhere in there uh, police. So let's talk a bit. There's been a lot, of course, about I mean, it's, this has been for months that we've had issues of police reform and, and prison reform uh, in the news. Um, Chuck, I want to start with you. But you've been writing quite a bit about this lately. Can you tell us a bit about where we are right now in this and where this might be heading as far as policy or, or no change?
4: I think this is the, one of the most difficult issues I've seen in San Francisco in 30-some years I've been here. It's, it's really, really goes to the culture of the city and the culture of police and the culture of law enforcement. And I really think that on every side, people are genuinely trying to come to some conclusion of what could make this better. And in the midst of it, unfortunately, we have gunfire and we have death. And I was saying to John and Carla and James, uh, our reporter was the person who got the video of the most recent shooting, the Mm -hmm. most recent police shooting. And I don't know if you saw it or I don't know if you read the stories, but this uh, homeless man had a knife. He was acting erratically. Uh, The hot team, the home home outreach team, uh, said, we can't deal with this guy. And one of the people on that team said that's the first time in 10 years that they'd called the police Mm. that as a rule, they're very good. They're well trained. They're experienced. Something was going on with this guy. But if you watch the video, you see the car pull up. The police cars pull up. They get out of the police car. You check the time. They walk over. You can hear them yell, drop it, drop it, drop it. You can hear four beanbag rounds being fired. And within 30 seconds, you hear gunshots and he's dead. And just among us, this is off the record, but just among us, (laughs) The reporter who found that video, the, the resident who had that video, said that one of the people who came over to see it immediately was uh, Police Chief Greg Sur. And when he saw the video and heard those gunshots, his reaction was, <laughs> I mean, of all the things that he's been trying to do to get this thing straightened out, to have that happen now is just unbelievable. And everyone has an idea. It's, the irony, of course, is that we want less lethal Means and yet we won't approve tasers. You know, even if somebody misused a taser, it's got to be a better solution than shooting somebody. We know that's a bad solution, and yet we see in other parts of the country terrible misuse of power and terrible misuse by the police of their of their rule of order. So I don't know, and I I know you you guys we were talking earlier about Chief Sir, I. It's funny because when Chief Sir got the job, I was trying to keep him from getting the job, and now I'm trying to keep him to keep the job. So I can't. <laughs> really, but I mean, I think he's trying. But this, there is a culture here that is that is broken, and I don't know how you fix it, but we need to fix it. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. How How is it that um, I mean, we've had now a number of these incidents, uh, and, not, and not only that, but you know, text messages, racist yep, text race messages, and so on. forth. So much has happened on his watch. He's obviously well respected by a lot of people in City Hall, including the mayor and so forth. Uh, and he's a likable guy. You know, you've right. sat down with him I have, mm-hmm. too. Uh, but how is it that on his watch, uh, you know, that he hasn't been fired already, to be honest? I mean, you know, this is a, this is a department that's just headline after headline. Yeah. Um, okay. it, are, are there, are, you know?
3: Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I've actually had the good experience about in December uh, USF held a international law enforcement symposium where you had about 300 California Bay Area law enforcement officers, chiefs of police from California and and brass and rank and file. And the panel they had me on was Black Lives Matter, false narrative or new movement. So it was almost a setup. I'm in a room with 300 cops and and coming where I come from, I don't know how to pretend to be anything other than I am because I'm not fake. So I had to I mean, I was never more emotionally disturbed in 24 hours. than I have been at that time. I was just scared to talk. Got up and talked. I don't know what I said. I offended him, but I also told him they were great people, but I also offended him. I'm positive of that because half the room didn't acknowledge me after another half did. So, um, but it was really interesting. That was an interesting panel, though, because were you there with Sir or were you there with Delanus? Sir was in the audience. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Mario Woods attorney who works in John Burris's office was on our panel. And. Uh, Daniel Outlaw the number two in OPD uh, she's a chief deputy chief she's the one that brought us in okay uh, this 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 wasn't the
4: one where the police officers Association Gary Delanus was there
3: no 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 they may have been there but this was a USF yeah yeah uh,
4: yeah. sir was very upset about that because he came out in the morning and he thought he had made a lot of good points and I mean his the text messages he said that's he said that along it's unacceptable we got to get rid of these guys they got to be out they're out right now that's it as soon as I heard about it, that's it. When they had the Mario Woods thing, he wanted to start, he started uh, uh, use of force. He did a lot of those different kinds of things. He felt he'd gone to that USF thing and made a lot of good points. In the afternoon, the Police Officers Association came back and did what they always do, which is, don't you tell me our officers are wrong. These people have a job. Wow. Which they do, they have yeah. a difficult
0: job. Yeah. But
4: I know for a fact, that there was nothing...
0: We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this.
1: When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community.
2: You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com.
3: I would have shot him the same way. I would have shot him. And then he was mentioning you know Cleveland, I mentioned Tamir Rice in the same sentence, and he said, "Which one is that?" and I'm just like, "Oh no, no, yeah. no, mm-hmm. you know who you know you said Mario Woods is you know deserved his bullets, but you don't even know who Tamir Rice is, yeah. who's the little boy in Cleveland that was shot playing with the toy gun in the yeah. park. you know yeah. at least be aware of his name if you're right. going to take a position like that you know to show that you're at least sensitive." where you think a person might be innocent. But it seems almost like, like you said, the cultural issue. It's almost like my wife is in law enforcement, just so you know. And she was in the audience that day. And when I got finished, honestly, I was afraid for myself. And I still am a little bit because I said some things that were offensive. um, Like black people don't riot over innocent people being shot. And that's why I know Michael Brown was probably not a criminal and a thug like he's been projected to be. How do I know? Because I lived in the ghetto. I lived in the neighborhood. I know how the neighborhood works. I know the people in the neighborhood know who the criminals in their community are, just like you do Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. or don't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we know who did certain kind of crimes. We know who were the perch snatchers, who broke in windows. We knew who messed with kids and who did other kinds, you know, who would steal property crimes. The neighborhood knew. My point is, I think when you think about these emotional outbursts you see, Ask yourself, why did they react that way? Listen to this. There were 1,000 shootings of unarmed people in America. About 700 of them had a, a weapon, but they were used, most of them were self, you know, trying to hurt themselves. I think there were about legitimately 95 people who had weapons that they shouldn't have had that were threats, and the police shot them. Out of 1,000, they shoot 95. Black Lives Matter has marched maybe seven times. They had about 900 other opportunities to march if they wanted to and burn down cities, but they did not. We can name the handful of cities that Black Lives Matter has actually targeted largely because of the innocence of the people on the ground where they see clearly that the person was not armed or a threat. I, I assure you, tomorrow, if the police shoot another innocent person, you will get a reaction. But if they shoot a Rodney King, if they shoot a known criminal, the community will say that's you know because they, they know who the neighborhood is. They know the wisdom of the streets. That person was up to no good, and he probably deserved the death he
2: got. Or you gotta you gotta wonder if if the person is homeless or right. considered mentally ill. Then right. does it does yeah. does, it, does the police get a pass on this? Right. I don't know. What do you what well? Do you I think, think
4: the use of force thing is going to be. One thing we can say, I think, is that these beanbags are a waste of time. You know, we've got this this idea that we've armed these guys with these weapons that are going to. I mean, sir said after the Mario Woods shooting, he said that the the cop that was on the side. If you've seen the video, Mario Woods starts to walk and there's a cop who moves over in front of him. And he said the way he put it was if we were if we had a calendar in the police force of most buffed officer, he would be January. That guy is huge. And he said, I said to that guy. Why didn't you just hit him? Why didn't you just, you just take him over? And he said, because they just hit him with a beanbag in the crotch, and it didn't have any effect at all. So I can't hit him any harder than that. So I don't know what else to do. So I think I think that I think the, the step between a beanbag, which is ineffective, and stop, 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 drop it, drop it, drop it, which is ineffective, and 19 shots, there's got to be a middle ground somewhere. Yeah, well, I think right. so, too. Yeah. I mean, that's what I yeah. think. Chasers. But we, you know, we want it both ways. Right, right. <laughs> right. right. Well, and People, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I keep getting emails of people say they used to shoot nets at people or throw nets over people or right. any of this. Right. It's, it, it, especially with an edged weapon. I mean, it's yeah, it's very, yeah. it's yeah. very. Hard. And they had we had just said time and distance, time and distance. We're going to treat these cases with time and distance. And it was 30 seconds. You know, now that uh, you know, it's unfortunate that we don't have the video of what of what the guy was doing. The police say he charged him. Witnesses say he wasn't. I don't know. But that wasn't time and distance. You
2: know? And the other issue is, isn't there a way to stop him, even with a gun? You know, uh, kneecap him, whatever. But don't you know, for 17 shots? Do we yeah. need that? Yeah. See, but, but Why is there to, no middle the, ground? The, the
3: police officers I know and the peace officers I know, they they would tell us that that th- these considerations are not a part of their training. Yeah. It's true. Shooting in the knee is not a part of the training. It's true. Yeah, they're it's explicitly t- taught
4: that's right. the kill. center mass, yep.
3: and,
2: and and the and the threat.
4: Yep. yep. That's um, true. That's true. So, you know. so the
2: question is, when it, when did somebody at City Hall say to Greg Sir, we need to have some kind of conversation? When is that going to happen?
4: Well, I think they have. I would. The question I would ask is, okay, let's get rid of Greg Sir. Now what? Because mm-hmm. the complaint. When we hired Greg Sir was, he's part of the old boy network. He went to St. Ignatius, played football at St. Ignatius, just like all those guys, <laughs> they're all the same person. They all show up and do this stuff. The one thing, the wild card with Greg Sir was that he spent a lot of time at the Bayview Station as captain mm. and was extremely popular out there, really yeah. well-liked. And they felt like, and he feels like, he can reach those people. But it, tell me you're not going to bring somebody in from out of San Francisco. I mean, bring somebody in from Cincinnati and say, real quick, get up to speed here. It's kind of a confusing city, but you'll, you'll figure it out <laughs> yeah. as we go. I don't think so. Yeah. So that's then good. you're going to bring somebody up through the ranks, and who's going to be happy with that? So, I mean, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's saying, that as Gary Delanus is, and the Police Officers Association is saying, there's nothing wrong with what we did. I, I think he's not saying that. But I don't know if he's going to be able to get his arms around it, and he may not survive. So that, that, maybe, that's the, maybe that's the sad mm-hmm. fact of the matter.
1: Why, why not bring in? I mean, L.A., New York, they brought in some high profile, you know, police commissioners or chiefs or whatever they're, they're called in those areas. Yeah,
3: even Oakland born in Bratton, right? If, that's right. Yeah. Well, if you could yep. bring
1: in Bratton, that'd be great. But I mean, that's the question
4: is, can you bring in someone that really has a, a, a new vision and, by the way, can interact with a police commission that's going to yell at you about? We need to use less use of force,
1: less use of force. But you can't have tasers.
4: You know, I mean, that's it's very difficult to figure that out. How is how
1: exactly what are the dynamics of that? We've got to move along. I do want to get one more topic uh, f- first, uh, since we're kind of talking about. This is a, a different topic, but <laughs> but we're still kind of talking about legacy of laws and such. Someone does ask, uh, shouldn't we be demanding a reinstatement of Glass Siegel and uh, prosecuting those responsible for the financial crash, noting that, you know, when we had the, fun, the savings and loan uh, crash, uh, they say a thousand people went, were prosecuted. Um, is that Does that have traction anywhere other than with Bernie Sanders folks, or is there a possibility that, for example, if Democrats take one of the houses of Congress, I mean, you know, we could see see some legislation or anything? No, no, no. Don't
2: see that.
3: Although, although I did say last month I was here that there's a scenario where the the Republicans could lose control of the House, but I I don't know if that's going to happen. But they definitely, Donald Trump has definitely put it in play.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't see.
1: Okay. I did also want to talk about you've I'm sure been seeing it almost every day another big company or band that's canceling uh, yeah. appearances in North Carolina um, over a bill that it was it passed um, that was that basically struck down local anti-discrimination laws regarding LGBT folks and uh, one of the best known provisions one of the most infamous provisions excuse me requires people to use the bathroom of their birth gender in other words for forbidding transgendered folks from using the bathroom matching their current identity. Um, the governor recently was uh, trying to. Yeah, I mean, re- this, this one it. is just, Spotify, it, yeah. it, it's but, just But I mean, this is only it. one law. I, I kind of want to do two things, if we could. One, just kind of talk about how this, this is a movement. There are a number of states that are doing this. Yeah. South Carolina now is considering there one. There was
2: an attempt in California to do this as well. California. Uh, yeah. I mean. uh, that was a, a, a attempted ballot measure, uh, which failed. But the fact is, I mean, uh, th- this idea of uh, passing laws to uh, command uh, transgender people to use certain bathrooms, as if there's some kind of crime wave going yeah. on with this—I mean, it's 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 kind of mind-boggling. And what, yeah, especially what, when we
3: have Republican leaders being arrested, you know, like Dennis Hastert for ra- raping baby boys, <laughs> Thank you. I Thank mean, you come so on, much. this is one of the, this was the, this was the, the, the consensus guy after Livingston who comes after <laughs> Newt Gingrich for morally, you know, <laughs> judging Bill Clinton, who's no friend of mine, <laughs> but they impeach this man on moral issues. And all of them from Henry Hyde on, all of them, thanks to Larry Flint, were exposed as morally, you know, corrupt individuals. And now we see Dennis Hastert was probably the worst of all of them because he's not involved in a simple adult relationship, he's victimizing young boys.
2: Yeah, no, that, I mean, the, the, exactly the point. I mean, and, and the other sort of hypocrisy is the Republican Party, which talks so much about local control, uh, you know, keeping big government out. I mean, these laws all specifically um, banned local governments mm. from passing their mm. own uh, anti-discrimination no. laws and also took away the rights of citizens to sue. Right. I mean, I, you know, I, at this point, so many artists and companies, PayPal, being um, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen, Ringo Starr—you can name the list. Mm-hmm. Didn't they, did they not learn the lesson yeah. of Indiana? Yes, well, yeah, I but
4: you, I, I think it's, it's not only them. I think this is the problem of living in a bubble because I think the governor thought to himself he was going to do something that was going to be perfectly reasonable, and the way he came across after he after he signed the law was, well, the people are in favor of it. I think he's astonished to hear that Bruce Springsteen isn't. But I will bet he's also astonished to hear how many people in the United States are also also feel this way. And it's the problem with not with not having a bigger picture and especially with uh, LBGT issues. This is a case that it, those those values have moved so quickly that they're leaving a lot of people in the dust. And mm-hmm. it may be a, there may be a short term victory for those people, but they're not going to win this. Yeah, and this it's not, is headed the other it, way.
3: No, and they've been having marches in North Carolina for and, and, and in fairness, North Carolina, it does have a strong liberal tradition in North yes. Carolina. The Tar Heel State has a strand of liberalism going back. Um, v. O. Key, who is a far most the foremost student of, of Southern politics, wrote about the, the liberal traditions. Of course, it has others, but there are liberal traditions in North Carolina. And I think those are also uh, being highlighted as well in this is that there are liberal voices saying, please don't judge all of us here in North Carolina by these few people who've made these policy of, uh, you know, recommendations. Understand that there's a, a, a silent majority of people who may not endorse these, you know, these issues, but definitely are not in support of discrimination.
1: Well, and you're certainly seeing there are that the larger cities there yeah. are. They're the ones who had passed yeah. these laws that, that you yeah. do have very but, liberal. But, but, but see, then
3: my, then my, my question is, and I'm sorry to jump out of my seat. But, <laughs> but, but why do these oh, so, so black Americans invest millions of dollars? They made Nike what Nike is. Michael Jordan, I, I'm old enough to remember it was Converse and Puma and there was no Nike until yeah. about 81, mm-hmm. you know, right around 83, 84. Then Jordan got it in 85, 86 and took it to a whole new level. But my point is, black Americans made Nike the corporation that it is today. And in all of these police shootings, none of these corporations have come out to say, we will not do business in Minnesota, Cleveland, Baltimore, anywhere. None of these companies. Nike actually went out of its way to have a law enforcement day during the shootings. And there was nothing in black America, no leadership, no mechanism, no, no default reaction, self-protection that we will not support Nike anymore. I promise you, when you walk out today, you'll see black kids wearing Nike just, and you happen to have on Nikes in the front row. Uh, <laughs> see, I have, I, have, I have a bunch. I went and bought three pair of Nikes this week for my kids, so I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite, too. But my point, and, that, and that's what my wife said, you're talking all this talk, but you buy buying Nikes, but that's part of the dilemma, right? Um, but why don't these corporations, you know, why do they choose certain issues? This is really interesting to me. The one group, and tell me if you disagree with me, the one group that Donald Trump has not attacked openly is gay people. You know what I think? And I wonder if it's because it's not safe. I wonder, I wonder if it's because it's not safe, the way you can talk about the immigrants or talk about the blacks or talk about women generically. But if you target gays specifically, would there not be a backlash? I'm wondering, that, is that why he's not touched it? You know what I think? Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it's a matter of time, is that what you're going to say? No, they have money.
3: <laughs> yeah, they have money.
4: This is not, This is an oppressed minority. They may have problems. but. Th- Gay people in America are successful in a lot of cases, and they donate to campaigns, they are players in politics. This is not a group of people that is not in the in the i i think, yeah. I think in their own way they're powerful yeah
5: and I don't think powerful. and I
4: think they're becoming less threatening, but they they have definitely gotten into the political game they're they're not yeah. sitting on the sidelines yeah. uh yeah.
3: and these and these corporations are being responsive to that i think so. yeah, I think so I think so
1: so so as we saw in campaigns, as we saw in Glass-Steagall, as we're seeing everywhere else, it comes down to money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you to our panel, Dr. James Taylor, Carla Marinucci, Chuck Media. Thanks to all of you for coming out today and everyone listening and watching us online. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this week-to-week presentation of a recent Commonwealth Club program. I'm John Zipperer, host of Week to Week, and I invite you to find us online at CommonwealthClub.org and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.